Good morning. Welcome to the Vineyard. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Glad to have you. Happy Independence Day. Hope that you are celebrating this weekend and uh, having a good time. And That's important. And also, we're sort of down here. We're keeping an eye on the storm. But it looks like it's just going to be a little windy. So not a biggie, hopefully. And uh, so that's all good. And we're thankful for that. I was talking to somebody earlier they're new in the area and I just said the thing is it seems like we're always in that cone at some point because kind of get used to it it's just you know when it gets closer where are we and what's going on but uh but anyway that's good and hopefully everybody's going to be okay as that storm goes through and down in the islands that, that they'll be all right down there and all that stuff so uh so good welcome to the vineyard we're going to continue on in the series we're doing called are you ready let me say that ultimately this series is about hope that's how we started, because Peter said we need to be prepared. We need to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. That's what this series is built on. Our hope, you know, and I, I've taken us to uh, numerous, numerous times. Revelation 21, and, and you see what's going on there is that um, heaven comes to earth. And earth is renewed and restored. We get new physical bodies. We, that's the resurrection. I'm, you know, we've built on that for a while now. And that the idea is that all that started back in creation and that was the heart of God to be with us and, and that's how it was supposed to go and we were going to go from Eden, the perfect place, and make the whole planet like that. The enemy got involved, introduced the power of sin and the power of death, changed all that, but God never gave up on us. We see a plan of redemption in place from Genesis 3.15 all the way to that hope that runs through the cross and the resurrection. And, and once we know that that's what our hope is all about, um, we see how the Bible ties together to give us all those reasons. And that we might have short-circuited that ultimate hope by somehow thinking over time that the, the final thing was we would end up on a cloud with a harp. And, and it's not the end of the deal. See, the, the story that we're involved in is so much bigger and better than that, that, that we don't want to settle on that and miss out on how amazing things are now. Because already he's at work. The, the new creation has begun because of what Jesus has done and we're caught up in it now. And, and that, that moves us into a whole different realm of living that we can experience here. And that's very important for us to get. Otherwise, I think what happens is people are tempted to go, well, I'm okay, I'm going to go to heaven. And they just kind of drop into this complacent thing that misses all of the really cool stuff that's going on. And so we want to be engaged in the bigger picture and understand that's what's going on and then have reasons for our hope. And that's what we're going into in our time together here in, in these weeks. And, and we've been looking at certain themes that are there, like, you know, exile and exodus and tabernacle. Those should be normal words for you now. And we've spent time looking at those things. We've talked about heaven and earth not being millions of miles apart. And this is significant. They overlap. They intersect. Um, that that Jesus was a place where heaven and earth met. That we are a place, because Holy Spirit lives in us, where heaven and earth meet. That we live in this tension, in this overlap. And you need to think of things differently. Otherwise, whenever you think of heaven, you're going to go, whoop, and, and you're missing what's going on. And then lately we've been talking about the kingdom of God building on that. And that 
When you hear or read kingdom of God in the scripture, it's not talking about a place. Because you'll read kingdom of God and think heaven, and it's not. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. It's his authority. It's, it's him being king. And, and, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. This is the whole deal that we're talking about. And when Jesus came, he inaugurated this kingdom. And when he returns, he'll consummate it. But it's already happening in part. All of these things begin to open up the scripture for us and the stories, everything going on in the Old Testament begins to make sense as you look at it through the cross and resurrection. And so that's what we're doing. We're taking a lot of time to do that. Well, I want to build on uh, where we were last week. We were talking about the kingdom of God last week, only we were in Matthew, so we called it kingdom of heaven. Remember, Matthew didn't want to use the word God because he was writing to a Jewish audience and they, out of respect, they didn't like to say God, so they would often say heaven, but it's the same thing. Kingdom of God Kingdom of heaven, his rule, his reign. That's what we're talking about. And we talked about the royal priesthood uh, last week again. And we're going to talk about both those things a little more. Today, as we dig into the scripture together, I only have two bad jokes for you today because I had three and one. I just can't do one anymore. So. uh, So I just uh, I just finished reading Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. Uh, It wasn't as good as I'd hoped. How bad was the one I cut out, you're asking yourself? (laughs) You'll never know. What's another name for an owl beak? Who knows? (laughs) Ah. Alice, my love. I need an exodus, please. Quickly, rescue me. Do you understand that one now? Well, you said it right. So, yeah, I could okay. understand. <laughs> At 8 o'clock, nobody could understand. What did, they, what did we miss? Owl beak. He said it real fast. Oh. So you pronounced it very well. Thank you. I enunciated. You enunciated. Clearly. But I Kimmy told me a joke. Yeah. And I'm going to tell Kimmy's joke. Oh, you got a yes, joke? Yes, I am. Well, wait. Okay, I want to hear. Let's see if I can deliver it right. Okay. I'm not... <laughs> Why are you standing? Okay. I'm not passive aggressive, unlike some people. She even gave me the face, but anyway. I thought, (laughs) thank you, thank you. I thought I had to rescue him from those bad jokes. So this is why I'm not the bad joke teller. Okay, let's press into Papa, shall we, before we read the word? Thank you, Lord. Mm. Father, come again. Let your kingdom come again. Thank you for inhabiting our praise, for lifting our hearts, Father, as we come to you. Father, I pray that as we read the word together, you would again just lift our hearts and take us deeper in you. Father, help us to remember that you are so close to those who admit that they're broken, Father, that you love to shine through our cracks. Father, all we have to do is come to you. And help us today to remember that it's all about you. And we just want to be good imagers of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of the book of Colossians. This is chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 
Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator." Blessed be the word of God. Y'all can be seated. Thank you so much. Fascinating passage, Colossians 3. And really digging into uh, what Paul is telling us about the life in Christ, this new life in Christ. And what it means. And there's a couple of things that I want to pull out of this passage today and sort of contrast for you. The first is this idea that I left up there in in verse 10, that um, this new self that we're to put on is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator, in the image of God. So I want to talk about the image of God with you. But I also want you to see what Paul is contrasting that with. Uh, I'm going to roll backwards here a minute. Uh, And and, uh, in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual morality and impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. And so it's fascinating, I think, that Paul is, is talking about idolatry and it's an actual contrast into being an image bearer of God is the idea of idolatry. Uh, and you, you might look in Colossians, you know, there's a couple of things I noticed, uh, like, um, you know, in verse... Uh, to set your minds on things above, not on earthly things that I just said, you know, heaven, we can have this picture that it's millions of miles away. It's just a way of them talking about um, the, that, that heaven and earth, they're, they're connected, but heaven is different than earth, right? Obviously. And, and that's where Jesus is now, but he's also, he's not far away. So don't get the idea that kingdom of God is upon everything is, is very sort of connected. And uh, and so our life is now hidden with Christ in God, and when he appears, we'll appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, these things, which he says, you need to get rid of these things. These are things that are it's idolatrous. And this is the old self. This is the old way we used to dress. That's the picture. These are the old clothes. Uh, and then he goes and lists some more things about this is how we used to live. And he lists a whole other things. These are all about idolatry. And that's the point that I want to make. And we're going to contrast that against image bearing. And this, I think, is very significant in how we live this life. And it's, uh, it's something we need to grasp. Over the next few weeks, we're going to continue to talk about the kingdom. I'm going to start getting into the parables. And a lot of people go, well, I don't understand the parables. Well, when you make this connection, the parables are going to start opening up to you again. And we'll talk more about that next week. But just know if you, if you don't get everything that I'm saying today, take it in in part. And we're going to get to more of it as we go. But I've told you that for whatever period of time, the church, for whatever reasons, often oversimplifies what's going on. And we've, without realizing it, in trying to make things simple, I think we've made it seem sort of boring, what's happening. 
And, and people have lost the, the life of adventure that it is to be a believer in Christ. They've, they've lost the idea of how amazing what God has done for us is and the activities that are happening around us, you know, naturally and supernaturally. And, and so we disengage because uh, we may have sort of taken it in that what needed to happen was that we've sinned and, 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 and then God, because he loves us, he sent Jesus and Jesus dealt with sin so that we can go to heaven. Now, that's a lot of people's sort of understanding. And don't get me wrong, if that's all you got, that's a good start. We'll take that, okay? But it's so much bigger than that. What's happening is so much bigger than that. And you've got to get a hold of the bigger picture in order to appreciate all the amazing things that are happening. So don't let me say that that's wrong when I said that earlier. It's just, it's more to it than that. It's bigger than that. And if we settle for that, we'll will not experience the full and abundant life that we have. And so this, this is why I'm always encouraging you to read the Bible. You know, I, I don't know how many times I say it, but I say it constantly. Why? Everybody here that's a believer should read the Bible, all of it. And then when you're finished reading all of it, we're going to go, whoo, and do it again. <laughs> and then when we, yes, and then do it again. But you continue, to, and you, it, because there's so much in there. And, and, until you really begin to read it and ask Holy Spirit to show you what's going on, you'll miss all of these amazing things that are happening, and we settle for less than we should experience. And so we're going we're gonna to drag in these two ideas today. We've talked about them some. First, I want to talk about this idea of being an imager, image-bearing, what this is all about. We did a whole series on this not that long ago. Uh, it's called uh, Imager and Training, because I said we're, none of us have perfected this yet, but this is the, the calling we have, is that we're called to be image bearers. Now, let me explain that in case maybe you're just visiting today and give you the quick explanation. So, back in creation, when you read Genesis 1 and 2, what's, what, what is really a picture of is this idea of a cosmic temple or tabernacle. It's a place where heaven and earth meet and where God is and where we are. And, and really it's temple language. And, and when the Bible was written, the idea of temple, even false temples would be understood. And when you made a temple, the last thing they put in the temple was an image of the God that that temple represented. Whoever that temple was made to, you'd put an image of that God in there. And when you walked into that temple, and the idea of temple back then was considered, you really were stepping into sort of uh, whatever their idea of heaven was. You would see this image of whatever this God was, and it meant something. But... The people of God um, never had an image in their temple. In fact, when one of the Romans goes in and destroys everything, they walk into the temple and they go, that's a weird temple, there's no image of their God in there, uh, just before they destroy it. We don't have that. Why is that not what happened? Because we're the image of God. God creates the cosmic temple where he is, and then he creates us in his image. And, and we're to be the image of God. When, when people see us, they're to see him. That's how this is supposed to work. When people look at us, there to see him. And that was the idea of humanity. That's what humans were. We were, we were to image bear for God. We, people would see us and they'd know him. And, and so that's what was supposed to happen. We're supposed to reflect God's love into the world around us and reflect the praise of the world back to God. That would be the priesthood part that we talked about in the royal priesthood. The royal part was our vocation. And in, in back in creation, what was going to happen is God partnered with us and we were to go and subdue the earth. What was that? We were supposed to leave what was happening in Eden and we were going to make the whole planet like Eden. The whole planet was good, but it wasn't Eden. That was a defined spot. That's what we were going to do. Then what happens? The enemy comes in and we're told 
you know, our representatives are told, and they're gardeners, they should know better, everything is good for you, except that stay away from that fruit of that one tree, don't do that, and what do they do? Boop, they get deceived, the enemy comes in, and when they're deceived, what does he do? He introduces two powers that aren't in there, power of sin, power of death. And with that comes all the mess that we understand in the broken world around us. God, though, never gives up on his good creation. He's good. And this redemption plan is in that we can see in the cross of resurrection. And we understand our hope. He's made a way. And so what happens then at the cross and the resurrection is what, what Jesus does for us, beyond just paying for our sin, is he restores us. We're able to be renewed again as image bearers. We can now once again reflect the image of God. And we can be the royal priesthood that, that was supposed to happen. It starts in Exodus. They start talking about this idea of the royal priesthood. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you'll be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words to speak to the Israelites if they obeyed them fully, which obviously they didn't do. Who does obey fully, though? That's Jesus, the perfect human, fully God, fully man, but the obedient human, the picture of what's going to happen. He comes and does it, and he does it so that all of us then can be reconciled back in to be the royal priesthood that we were intended to be. That's what's going on. That's how we're supposed to be living. God has done a much bigger thing than we expected, uh, that we expected, and there's a way back for us to be the renewed image bearers. Jesus models it. Got to love this too. I love the fact that you can read the Gospels and you can get a picture of what humanity was supposed to look like and how Jesus lives. Watch how Jesus interacts with other people. If, if you're, and maybe you're not like me, but if you're like me and I read that, he often does things differently than I would do them or would think that someone who was a believer would do. He just does different things. Why? Because he's got it nailed. He's the, he's the reflection of God. He says to his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? He's image-bearing. He's showing us what it looks like. And so we can look at that and see how we're supposed to live. And he, he went to places, places other people wouldn't go. And he hung out with people they wouldn't hang out with. And he loves everybody really well. And he doesn't say, oh, it's okay to do whatever you want. He just loves them so much. They go, what do I need to do? And, and he you know, always is talking about the kingdom to them. So, so we have this picture in Jesus of what it looks like to be fully human. Because he was fully man, fully God. Great picture. Well, Paul, in that passage, says that's what we're supposed to be doing, putting on that new self, which is being renewed in the image of God. We're to be that image bearer. But the problem that we have is we put on that old self sometimes. It's like dressing. And he calls that idolatry. Now, what is idolatry? Because this is important for us to get a hold of, to understand this connection. Um, Sometimes, so we've, we've substituted sin for this idea. And, and we think, okay, well, sin is the problem, which it is a problem, don't get me wrong. Sin is the issue, and so what I'm going to do is, I'm just going to not do those things. And, and we sort of reduce it then to rule following. This is what happens over and over and over again. And we think that what we need to do is just figure out what the rules are and then follow those rules. And so we have this idea that sin is this rule-breaking, and that God is kind of this big meanie who has decided that these are the rules that people are going to follow, and he's up there watching to see how well we do, and if we mess up, boom, and then he's going to get us. A lot of people live like that. Oh, it's because I did this, so God did this. And then they're living in this sort of connection with what's happening. Well, The problem with being a rule follower, just, is 
that we miss the, the bigger picture. See, we'll, 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 we'll follow the rules to a point, uh, and there'll be some rules that we can follow pretty easily because it's really not our problem or issue. And then there's some that we can't, and we'll sort of justify those as not. But then we'll look for people who are doing worse than us, and we'll judge them and be critical of them. And we'll, we'll not love them well. In fact, we'll do the opposite. So Jesus comes onto the scene to a group called the Pharisees. They weren't a bad group, but they decided that rule following was the way. By this time, they, there was over 600 rules that they were making people follow if they wanted to hang with God. And nobody could do it. And when Jesus comes, he says, not only can't you do that, you're making it impossible for anybody to follow God. Because you're missing the picture. And then he undoes things in the Beatitudes. Well, the, the, the picture is more than just rule-breaking. What you need to connect it to is idolatry. And so what is then idolatry? What does it look like? And, and here's, here's what it is. Instead of reflecting God, the Creator, what we're doing is reflecting bits and pieces of the creation. And, and that comes out. As sin. And if you don't hear me say anything else today, this one thing, write this down. You become what you behold. What you're focused on, that's what you're moving towards. And, and are we focusing on him as the creator and what that means? Or are we focusing in on the creation? Well, he, Paul addresses this for us again in Romans 1. 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people, that's idolatry, who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. They exchanged the glory of God for things of the creation. And and that's sort of the idea behind idolatry. Now, how, how does that connect with us? Well, today... We would sort of identify these, these bits and pieces of creation as forces. And, and, and so we, we call things, we call them things like economic forces, um, cultural pressures or forces, social forces. And, and we understand that those things are in the world. You hear them all the time. Well, the economic forces, these things are happening. Well, when the Bible was written, people would give those forces names. Um, uh, so, for for example, the, all of the the lust thing and the mess. It's they that they had the goddess of Aphrodite. For all of the violence, they had the the little g god of of war. You know, Mars or whoever. For the economic stuff, they gave him a name. It's in the Bible. It's the little g god of Mammon. That's what he was known. And and what you would do is, if you had issues in one of those areas, uh, you would go and you would worship those gods, hoping that something would work out. And that was idolatry. And those forces aren't necessarily the, the forces are bad, but the ideas are not. So like, because some people hear what I just said about money, and they'll say, oh, well, you know, money, money is e- evil. And I'll go, well, no, it's, it's, money's not evil. No, they say that the Bible is, is uh, in the Bible it says, you know, money is the root of all evil. Do you know that the Bible doesn't say that, right? What does the Bible say? Love of money. 
A big difference, right? The love of money and money, and, and, and yet often when you talk to people, they'll throw stuff at you like that. You gotta, that's why it's so important you know the Bible. They'll twist it just a little bit. Significant difference between money is the root of all evil and the love of money is the root of all evil. Why is that an issue? Well, the love of money is worshiping something other than God. And see, if we're giving in to these forces, this is the old self that we're doing, we're being led by them. They're impacting us. And when we worship something other than God, something happens to your image bearingness, you, you, your, your humanness. You become less than fully human. It's part of the enemy's plan. And what he does is, and, and this, is, this is the way I like to, he, those things, he makes us subhuman. But it bothers me <laughs> to be so, See, it, it bothers me more than breaking a rule, honestly. Breaking a rule, I can sort of go, meh. But to understand that the enemy is making me less than, that's something I don't care for. And that's the connection that we have to make. See, that's what the enemy is doing. And, and what happens is, as we begin to worship these forces, which is idolatry, we start sort of deconstructing, and you become less fully human, and, and then you're missing the mark. You're not what you were created and intended to be. You're missing the mark. And in, in the Greek, that word is hamartia, which is uh, what we define as sin, but it's a picture of an arrow you know, being shot at a target and missing the mark. See, that's how sin happens. It's not about keeping certain rules and breaking other ones, it's worshiping one or more of these forces, and it's keeping us from being fully human. That's the issue. And I think that's way more important for us to get a hold of. Because sin is a deal. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying sin doesn't. It does. And, and you know, sit, stop it. But, but I wish that worked. That's really funny. <laughs> but for me, when I realized it's not the... the <clears throat> It's not these rules that big meanie God has put out that he's saying these are the things and if you don't do them, it's what's behind it all. And when I realize who's behind it, I hate when the enemy wins. So I don't, the enemy has stolen enough from me in my life. Constant. You know, you know people ravaged by disease and, and just the, the constant bombardment and the mess that's going on and the enemy's behind it all. And I just, you know, if you, and if you need a, a focus, he, he's the one to focus on. And, and I want to go, God, you know, help me to be more fully human. I don't want to be less than. I don't want to give in to him in any of those things. And what God has done is because of what Jesus has done now, Holy Spirit dwells in us. And now it's possible for us to make choices to be more fully human. Before you knew Jesus, before you had the Holy Spirit in you, you didn't even have that choice. But now you absolutely have the choice. You won't always get there because that old self, we're so sometimes accustomed to doing things that way that will be drawn back to them. But what Holy Spirit is doing in us is renewing us in the image of our Creator. And all of a sudden we go, oh, that's, I don't want to do that. I want to live for Him. I want to experience life full like he intended me to experience to make a difference and what jesus did was he defeated the powers of sin and death there on the cross and the resurrection and when he did that things were changed the beginning of new creation jesus the model of what it looked like to live he did it for us and then he defeats death he rises again the first of new creation he demonstrates that new creation body that that resurrection body the body that he has after he's resurrected is different than the one that he's born with 
And when you read the Gospels, you can see it. You can see that the writers are trying to describe it. They're not even exactly sure how to do it because they want to make sure they talk about him eating. But he can also go in and out of rooms. And they also he just kind of disappears from their sight all of a sudden. There's something different in this body that we have to look forward to. Um, and, and things are changed. But he's made it so that we can live as more fully human. And it gets us back into this idea of royal priesthood. Look what we find in Revelation 5. This is fascinating. 9 and 10. They sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. They're singing about Jesus. Because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And what's he done? You have made them to be a kingdom... And priests, a royal priesthood to serve God, and they will reign where? On the earth. That's this connection. That's what's supposed to be happening. We're being renewed in the image of God, restored to the royal priesthood, so we can set forth the kingdom and what it means, his rule and his reign. And, and it's because of what Jesus has done. And it's, it's this idea that's so important. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. All those rules that you were trying to follow, that's not based on faith. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us, as it is written, curses everyone who's hung on a pole. He redeemed us. Why? In order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. There's some cool. So he's done it. What he's done is he's made it possible that we can receive all the promise of the Holy Spirit who comes and dwells in us, and then we go and we partner with God to help fulfill that promise that he made to Abraham that was supposed to be Israel, but they couldn't live it out, so it went to Jesus, the perfect Israel, the perfect human, and is happening through him to the church. And and what was the promise? Last couple of weeks, I will make you into a great nation, I will bless you, I'll make your name great, you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and ever curse you, ever curse you. And all peoples on earth, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See, that's, I said this to you last week. God wants to bless people through you. That's how we're supposed to live. That's what we do. That's what it means to be part of the royal priesthood. That's, that's what this looks like. And when we realize that people that don't know Jesus are not your enemy, you have an enemy. He's blinded those people. And what we have to have is that understanding that the difference is for us is we've come to know Jesus, thank you, and the Holy Spirit is in us now. And, and now because of that, we, we have the option to choose to live differently. Apart from Jesus, they don't have that option yet. And so we have compassion for them. We can't be like the people when Jesus came the first time who were so bent on vengeance that they missed what God was doing. And yet, if we're rule followers, and that's all we are, that's how the mentality we get. Well, we're following these rules, and you're not. And the easiest thing for us would be for God to just wipe you out. And that's not what it looks like. What do we do? We're the royal priesthood. We partner with God to make a difference on the planet now. We have all these amazing things that are happening. We want people to have those whole things that happen as well. And so we have compassion, and we live this thing out with love. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. He's talking to us, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's what's happened. That's how we're supposed to live. That's what this looks like. So I needed to get that into you. I know that's a lot because it will really help us as we move into the parables over the next few weeks and what that looks like. But you need to see the connection is, is, is bigger than what we've thought and that the opposite of image bearing is idolatry. Okay, and, and that's how we move from that. It's like when you, when you sort of know the, the cause, it's easier to deal with the fallout.
Sin is the fallout of idolatry. But, but now we can plug it back and we can deal with a bigger issue because Holy Spirit will help us. All right, that's enough. I could go on, but I'm not going to. Alice, my love, come. Let's pray. Let people get off to celebrate the fourth. Or pick up their lawn things. <laughs> they can pick up their lawn things. I started thinking of gnomes. I don't know why. We don't have gnomes. I know, but... I'm about to pray. We had this, we had this four turtles on the wall downstairs at our house that actually survived Irma. They, they hung there, and I barely got them hanging there. I don't know how they did it. Yeah, they're melted. Okay, sorry. Let's go. Uh, Papa. Help us to see how much bigger all this is than we've ever really imagined. And as we do then, help us to realize how amazing it is that you've invited us into it. To be a part of your story. And it's magnificent. And, and to watch you move throughout history, but also to watch you move today. Because you're God. There's nothing like it. And Lord, help us to, to rest in you and experience you and enjoy you and partner with you. To make a difference. In our communities and in our families, in our workplaces. And in this world, God, change us, God. Help us to be more fully human as you created us to be. Reflecting you well. Oh, God, let, let people see us and see you. Whew. Alice. Amen. God's always doing a deeper thing. I feel like someone's facing, and you've actually had this thought in your mind, I feel like I'm facing a giant. And the Lord wants to remind you, whatever that giant might be, if you're facing it, the wilderness is behind you. You have left the wilderness. The promised land is on the other side of that giant, and he's with you. And never underestimate the power of five smooth stones, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Amen. All of this journey starts by knowing Jesus. I, I talked about what he's done numerous times there on the cross, defeating death, um, when he rose again, defeating sin there on the cross. Our whole part is to believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. That part is not complicated. That part is the simple part. And, and really, if you've never done it, do it today. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? That's where it all begins. And I would encourage you to, to just make that simple prayer and confession to Jesus. Will you be my Lord and Savior? If you do, let me know. Go to the website. There's a thing called a new believer. Or you can just go straight to newbeliever.com. And a little form to fill out so I know. And there'll be some helpful stuff on there to help you get your journey started. Thank you for your amazing generosity, church, and your faithfulness to your giving. There's ways to give there uh, digitally and, and uh, by mail. Let's sing the doxology, and we will dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.
and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Please go out these doors when you leave. Have a great day. Be thankful for five things in church. Two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. We'll see you soon. Thanks for watching online. Have a great fourth. We love you guys. And uh, just look forward to continuing pressing in uh, in parables next couple of weeks. I, I love the parables. So that's where we're headed. So, yeah, have a great fourth, everybody. Have a hot dog. What do you like on your hot dogs, babe? Steak. That's not right. But I like mustard. All right. Have a great fourth. Bye, everybody. Bye.